to Calling All Birds, the podcast where we learn the art of birding by ear together. I'm Mark. And I'm Allison. And this week we're talking about the black-capped chickadee. Yay! Very yay for chickadees. Before we jump into the bird, though, uh, I just wanted to talk about our week because, like we said in the first episode, we're going through this journey of trying to learn to bird by ear along with you. And there are things that we've picked up or learned this week that are probably worth talking about. I picked up a field guide. So I didn't know before, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners already knew about this, but there's a field guide to bird sounds. So Peterson released the field guide to bird sounds of Eastern North America and Western North America. This week, we picked up a copy of the Western North America field guide. It's written by Nathan Pyplow. He's the guy behind the blog Earbirding, which if you remember last week, we talked about a little bit quoting from an article on that blog about the difference between trill songs and warbling. It's been such a good resource for us to learn. Yeah. So this person set out another thing that I learned this week that I was not aware of before we started really diving deep into this is just how recent this whole field is and how kind of wide open it is. There's a lot of research going on, but you know, there's still work being done to standardize like the vocabulary for talking about bird sounds, our understanding of them. I thought, for instance, before we started this, that the difference between a song and a call was well established and a very clear boundary. Learning this week that it's not, that the the difference is often subjective. There's some consensus, like there was this article written or this thing published in 19, I think 61 I was reading, mm-hmm. that tries to define this is a song and this is a call. And it talks about like songs are learned, first of all. They're not, you're not born knowing, songbirds aren't born knowing their songs. So like an orphaned bird would not be able to sing these songs if they weren't raised by parents of the same type. Yeah, fletchlings have to be taught by an adult bird, how to sing their species song. So it's passed on generation to generation. That's fascinating. But then they have other ones that they just sort of know innately. Yeah. So they have these simple innate sounds that they make that uh, we call calls usually. So anyways, there's this kind of distinction and it's, it's loosely, it's, it's, it's okay. But then you run into species like for instance, the black cap chickadee, where those distinctions are not as black and white, not as cut and dry. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But that was just fascinating for me to learn that that we're still figuring this stuff out. And even the guidebooks, like the the obviously, as I'm sure most of our listeners know, if you have a guidebook, most of a lot of them talk about the sounds that a bird mm-hmm. will make and they'll describe it. And that vocabulary is not very standardized. So where you might have like a standardized vocabulary around field markings, you know, the the parts of the bird or the feathers and the colors and stuff, we don't have that same established standardized vocabulary around bird sounds. And it's one of the goals that the author of this field guide set out to establish. And so I definitely think for for this podcast going forward, I want to try to kind of standardize on that language that's used in this field guide so that we and our listeners can learn that standard language. Because what happens when you have a standard vocabulary is then you can start to hear something and maybe you have an app, maybe you capture the sound or maybe you already know the bird, but maybe you don't. Maybe you're just out and you hear a bird sound you've never heard before and you want to look it up later. You want to try to figure out what was that? Well, if you have the standard vocabulary and standard categorization, then you can go into a guidebook and say, well, 
It was a short phrase, two to three syllables. So there's this whole categorization around that. And what about the notes within the phrase? Like, like, And we'll get into, over the weeks, we'll get into all of those nuanced details, hopefully. But I think it's a good kind of goal for us to set that that's the direction we want to go. Does like that make that. sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And I feel like, I mean, it reminds me of when... I learned that when you're IDing birds, that their beak matters, that there are these different size categories. And, you know, even though I didn't know what bird I just saw, um, maybe I saw some flashes of color. I could categorize it because I knew a couple things and then I could look it up later. So doing that with calls when it seems like an ocean of, of information out there, being able to narrow it down, and get some clarity is very exciting for me. Yeah. Awesome. Me too. And... So I did want to pick up from last week. We started to introduce a little bit of vocabulary, and I want to introduce kind of the the, the rest of that. So we talked about a quadrant, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked about trill songs and warbles being in two zones of that quadrant. So those were the two types of songs where the notes are too fast to count. Yeah. So the pacing of the notes, you remember there was that distinction. Can you Are they slow enough to where you count, can count them, or are they so fast you couldn't reasonably count them? So the two types of, of songs that were so fast you couldn't reasonably count them were trills, when the note repeats over and over again, and warbles, where the notes are changing and they're so fast. When the distinction is they're slow enough to where you can count them, mm-hmm. there's still a distinction between repeated notes or where the notes are different. So when the notes are different, it's called a phrase. Mm-hmm. And when the notes are slow enough to count but repeated, it's called a series. Yeah, and, and that's... It's easy to remember because a series does sound like something that's repeating and a phrase is naturally something that varies. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about both of those things as we discuss the sounds that the black-capped chickadee makes. But yeah, I just wanted to introduce that vocabulary up front. And each week, I think we'll try to introduce a little bit more vocabulary as we talk about new birds. We're going to build those muscles. Yeah. Well... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Build that skill. Those ear muscles. (laughs) (laughs) Great. So let's get on to the sounds of the black-capped chickadee, shall we? Yeah, and I'm really excited to start with the call that gave this bird its name. Yeah, so chickadees say their name. Which is adorable. They're already adorable birds, but that they just introduce themselves like that. Yeah, let's listen to it real quick, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay. So what did you hear? I heard chicka dee 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 dee. So the chicka part is that intro. There's some high kind of high pitched notes that happen, and then it transitions into this repeated series of D notes, right? Yes. Um, which are kind of bassy, low, nasally sounds. The other thing that I think immediately is important to notice is they vary the number of D sounds that they make. If let's listen to it again, the first time there's like. I think two or three, mm-hmm. and then there's like five. Let's listen. Yeah, so it was like three and then six. Yeah, I think this is so exciting because uh, we can actually understand what they're trying to communicate by counting the amount of times they say that D portion. 
so researchers kind of actually stumbled upon this. They had they had some chickadees and they accidentally had like a predator nearby and they noticed that their their calls had changed. And so they did this study where they introduced different predators around them and very consistently the chickadees were modifying their ch- chickadee calls. And so when there are not that many Ds, when there's just a few, like two or three, uh, the call is kind of, it's used for... It's like ve- checking in, it's like right? checking in. It's not their contact call, like their go-to contact call, but it, you know, it might mean that they found food or it might mean that they, we'll talk later, it's sometimes an all clear. But when there's five or more Ds, it means that there's a predator nearby. Yeah, so they're distressed. They're warning each other and communicating in this sophisticated way. Sophisticated because they change the number of Ds depending on the threat level of the predator. So increasing the threat level, they're like, threat level 23! Yeah, and they can get up to as many as like 23, 25 Ds at the end of it for their their, their worst scariest predators. predators. Yeah. Which, also interestingly, it's not just like bigger. There are birds of prey... And the bigger they get, they get to a point where the chickadees are less afraid of them. So like American kestrels or I think pygmy owls, some of the smaller owls, yes. are bigger threats to the chickadees because the chickadees are super agile mm-hmm. and these birds of prey can can keep up with them. And so those ones get the most Ds. And then like there's larger owls and, and they'll get a bunch of Ds, but not as many. Yeah, they have ones that they're especially afraid of, and that's fascinating. Uh, Another thing that I learned this week that I find really interesting that's around this specific call is that other birds that are migrating and sort of hanging out around the chickadee flock will use their warning system to their benefit and um, be able to hide from predators that are a threat to them as well. And join in in mobbing. So chickadees, as we'll talk about in a minute, they have multiple alarm calls. Their chickadee call is used as an alarm call specifically for perched or non-flying predators. And so birds in general, if you're not aware, they do this thing called mobbing when there's a predator that's like lurking in their territory. They want that predator to leave. And so they try to annoy it out of hanging around. As a group. As a group. All of them striking sort of at once to... Yeah. And so their chickadee call, when again, when there's five or more Ds, it's a call to mob, right? They're, they're coordinating how many birds are we going to need how how big of a threat is this? How many birds are we going to need to try to mob this? And so they'll, they'll they'll make this call. And like as you mentioned, other birds hear this and will actually join in helping them mob a predator out of the area. Not just their like neighbors, like birds. They call it out of context. So like birds that are migrating, North American birds that are in the process of migrating very far distances. If they hear a chickadee call, they have been seem to stop and help them mob a predator out of their territory. So it's not even like their well-established neighbor that, you know, is a friend. These are birds that are visiting that are able to coordinate with each other. And that level of intelligence, I just, I didn't realize that such a cute little bird was also so clever. Yeah. And it's really cool because even as humans, like we can pick up on it. So like, it's really fun once you learn this to be going for a walk or a hike or something. And all of a sudden, when you hear that repeated D, sometimes I'm not even like listening, you know, I'm like, there's a chickadee that it's probably been making its chickadee call for maybe a little while. 
and I've just been kind of in my own head or, you know, maybe listening for other birds or looking at something, all of a sudden you hear that D, 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 and it gets over five. Yeah, it's escalating. Yeah, and you know, and you pick up on it. And the other thing that's really cool because this is their mobbing call is that they'll pass it along. So like one, the bird that sees a predator will 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 start making it. And then the next chickadee around will, will repeat it. And the, so all of the chickadees in an area will start making that call. And you'll be able to hear it expanding through whatever thicket you're in, in the forest. And uh, it's just kind of amazing to hear that wave of warnings go out and be passed along. Yeah. So I, their chickadee call is just super fascinating. There's, there's way more that we could talk about. Um, but you know, I don't want this podcast to run forever. They have done a lot of studies on chickadees, black cap chickadees, especially, uh, which unfortunately is not the case for all bird sounds. So we, we kind of actually know a little bit more about these guys, but I do want to talk before we get into their songs. I did want to talk about their other alarm call because we talked about one of them. So their other alarm call is called their seat series. Let's listen to it and then we'll talk about it. So whereas the chickadee call was their kind of mobbing alarm call, so maybe a perched bird or a predator that doesn't fly, this is their alarm call for when there's a bird of play like uh, flying overhead. So when it's like immediate danger, this is the worst possible situation. Yeah, and they don't want a mob. They want to not be seen or, or, you know, they want this thing to just leave them alone. So when a chickadee makes that noise, all the chickadees in the area who can hear it will stop and they won't move or make any sounds until they hear a chickadee all clear. That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, I don't know. And like the level of communication for these tiny little birds is fascinating. Just intelligent, coordinated instructions. Yeah. I am. Um, I'm blown away. And, um, I mean, these birds, they're just so cute and inquisitive already, but delving in more um, to their different calls, I've just fallen in love with them um, even more than I than I already was. Yeah. I think we should wrap up their calls, actually, before we get into their songs, because okay. there's only one more that we were going to talk about. Chickadees make a lot of different no- sounds. Yes. Um, we're talking about five different ones today, so we've already talked about two. The last of the calls that we're going to talk about is called their, their SIP. Um, and it's their contact call. So this is the call that they'll make just kind of, hey, calm, mellow. It's just their heartbeat call. Like, hey, I'm here. Everything's good. Yeah. Okay. So let's listen to it. And the sound sample that we have, you can hear their SIP call and then it ends with a, a seat series. So you can kind of hear the difference because they're similar sounds. But the series, remember we talked about it at the start, mm-hmm. is when the, the same note is repeated. And it's repeated slow enough to count, but there's not as long of a pause. So if there's a super long pause between it, you know, it's a single, it's considered a single note, not a series, because there's enough of a break. So when we play the sound, you'll hear the single single note with a long enough pause for it to be separate single notes. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you'll hear the seat series that's close enough together for it to be considered a series. Did you hear that difference? I did. Uh, and one sounded more stressed out than the other even. Uh, just to The my, urgency of it. Yeah, my own human ear could tell that one was like, hey, 
hey, hey, and ah! <laughs> yeah. So let's listen to it one more time. And this time, let's let's listen to the, the kind of character of the sound. Uh, specifically, we've covered one bird so far on this podcast, right? The, the dark-eyed junco. And the dark-eyed junco had a contact call that was kind of similarly a single note. But remember, for that bird, we said it sounded like marbles hitting each other. It was this rich-bodied mm. sound. This is much less substantial of a noise. Uh, let's listen to it again. And it really does sound like a sip, sip, sip. Yeah, I have a hard time with the the difference between like why is one a sip, why is one sip and one a seat? Because I hear it. You do? I do. I I'm hear the sip, to it again. sip, and then seat, 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 seat. Okay, they are a little bit longer. The seats have a little bit more in the middle. Mm-hmm. Even though and they're faster, they're faster and yeah. Okay. All right. Um, let's move on to their songs now. So okay. chickadees have two songs. Well, they have one traditionally recognized song. Black-capped chickadees have what's called their whistled song. And then they have another song that some people call a call, but we'll talk about why we think it's better categorized as a song. First, let's get into their whistled song, though. And this is probably their second most well-known sound that they make. So there's the chickadee one that where they're saying their name. And this song is called their Phoebe or their Hey Sweetie, mm -hmm. sometimes Cheeseburger. It's very recognizable. It's very recognizable. Let's listen to it and then we'll talk about it. Okay, so that was two males uh, actually dueling. So this song is used for defining your territory and for attracting a mate. And sometimes males will get into duels where they're trying to outsing the other one. And in the case of black-capped chickadees, with the exception of Pacific Northwest and, and I think a main variety, um, they the only way that they can hmm. kind of compete is by like raising the pitch a little bit of their song. So you can kind of hear that going back and forth. It's like escalating a little bit. They're, they're having a little song duel. Trying to distinguish themselves with who has the best cheeseburger for yeah. the ladies. One One's like, hey, sweetie. And then one's like, hey, sweetie. And yeah. like, hey, sweetie. Hey, sweetie. Let's listen to it again. I'm partial to the second one. Yeah, I think that he probably uh, he probably won that song duel. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the 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 song itself, though. So this is a phrase. The notes are slow enough that you could count them, but it's not the same note. From the first whistle, the first note we hear, to the second one, there's a change in pitch. It gets lower. Technically, it's only a two note phrase. I think the second one has what. Like a, I think I've seen it described as a falter where they kind of almost stop, but then they kind of restart, but it same, stays at the same pitch. So it's a two-note whistle. Uh, it's a phrase, two-note phrase, uh, or a t monotone whistle. Um, let's listen to it again, and, and you can see how the, the two notes throughout, even though they're kind of long, they don't change pitch. So like the burger part 
stays the same pitch. Yeah, even though it has a falter in this recording. And some sometimes there won't be a falter. And that's why that's where the fee B comes from. It, it's just two notes, fee B. Instead of high fee B or just sounds like sweetie by itself. Yeah, yeah, that second, second part. Okay. So let's listen to the Pacific Northwest variant, uh, which is Western Washington and I think Western Oregon. Uh, Black Cap Chickadees can make this other song, which to me sounds very similar, but they kind of repeat the second phrase. Let's listen. What do you think of that one? It it sounds like, hey, sweetie, sweetie. Yeah. Like they're doubling down on the niceties. Yeah. So you can hear that faltered note happens like twice. So I think technically this would be like a three note, depending on whether or not you count the falters. I think sometimes this vari- the variant here will actually turn that falter into full on pause. Mm-hmm. And then it might sound like five notes. Another thing I noticed about this sample specifically is the hey note, the first note seems shorter to me. Let's listen to it again, and then I'm going to play the original one right after. Okay. I hear that. One's just like a regular cheeseburger, and the other's like a double-double. Yeah. Cheeseburger oh, burger. Yeah. It's a cheeseburger burger for sure <laughs> they're, they're the chickadees are a fan of in and out so yeah unlike uh, a lot of species uh, a, a lot of songbirds where usually only the male sings the song uh, because again it's used for defining territory or attracting a mate uh, black cap chickadees both the males and the females sing the whistled song and to us it sounds the same But what's cool is they did a study and they found that the chickadees themselves, both the males and the females, can tell the difference between a male making the call and a female making the call. That subtle difference they can they can hear. Yeah, there's like minute differences in like duration or or frequency or something. And and they know if a male singing or a female singing. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So like we said before. The black cap chickadees actually have two songs. That was their whistled song. Mm-hmm. And the other song that they have is called their gurgle song. Or you might see it in a guidebook as a gurgle call. Uh, the reason why I think it's appropriate to put it in the song category is it's actually way more complex than it sounds at first blush. It's a learned song. So they've shown that if chickadees are not taught to properly do a gurgle song, then they won't learn it. And it's used to define a territory and attract a mate. And some chickadees, not the black cap variety has a whistled song, but other chickadees, like for instance, the chestnut back chickadee, they don't have the whistled song. And the gurgle song is their only song and they use it like a song. They still. So the other chickadees, they don't talk about cheeseburgers. No, they just gurgle, (laughs) not gargle, gurgle. Yeah, so let's listen to it and then we'll talk about it. Okay. So at first it's just a bit of a mess, right? Yes. Though after listening to it a couple times um, and knowing that they use it to define territory, I've decided it sounds like they're saying, get the bleep out. 
Oh my gosh, let's listen to it one more time. I, I gotta listen for this. Yep, I hear it. <laughs> I hope you'll all think of me when you hear chickadees singing this song. <laughs> okay, so let's break it down a little bit. Technically, I think it's a warble, but they call it a gurgle, and uh, the guide defines a gurgle as a very rapid, brief jumble of fairly musical notes, usually one to three syllables total, generally shorter and faster than warbles. So okay, it is really fast. I mean, that's one characteristic of it that, like just right away is is really clear for uh especially when it gets to like the end part where it kind of gets a little buzzy or blurry mm -hmm. let's listen to it again so i can i can hear you know why they made that distinction the other thing is that it it descends so the notes descend down to the end, it's like a... Choo -choo -choo. It's like going uh, downstairs. Yeah, steps. going down in pitch. And then the last part can either be like, you know, like I mentioned before, blurry or buzzy, or it can be like a repeated couple notes. But yeah, The Gurgle is, I think, a song. And uh, interestingly, I think males, it said, I read somewhere that they average like eight different gurgling songs of these so yeah. we can't play every single sample of what might be a gurgle but they do tend to share that downward pitch at the start going into that kind of either repeated or blurry final note okay so there's there is a lot of variation and that they have eight different calls typically each bird that can vary yeah, and the, again, a bunch of research into how they use it and how like the nuance in in their duration and frequency and everything, it works. It's very similar to the way that we use language. Like they communicate, like they have a really robust system of communication and their gurgle song is a, a big part of that. That's just so fascinating that the way these birds interact with each other in a community is complex enough to need this level of language. I agree. All right. So let's go through real quick a recap of the different sounds that we learned this week. Okay. Um, and we'll go in reverse order. So we'll start with their two songs. I'm going to play their whistled song and then their gurgled song. Those are their two songs. And then I'm going to play their three calls. So there's the chickadee call, there's the seat series, and then there's the sip with the seat series at the end. So yeah, those were their calls. Lastly, before we wrap up, I did want to talk about one kind of uh, similar call that you might mistake for the black-capped chickadee, and it's made by the brown-headed cowbird. Let's listen to it, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. So this is not a chickadee.
Sounds like a chickadee. It sounds a lot like a chickadee. Can I hear the real chickadee for a minute to try and hear the distinction, or are we going to yeah. break it down first? No, I'm going to play the real chickadee again, and then I'm going to play the cowbird right after. Okay. So the one thing I notice is that the cowbird is a little bit faster. It's a little bit faster. It's a little bit higher pitched. And I hear preceding the first note, like a really quick kind of intro, like chip into the first note, whereas the chickadee, it's just a whistle. Let's listen to the the cowbird call again and try to listen to that first note and, and hear how it kind of ramps into it with a little bit of a chip. So like it's a little sharper when it's it like first a starts. Chip hey, sweetie. Oh. Here, listen again. Okay. I think I hear it, though it's it's so subtle. To be fair, I don't think that like the distinction is like that important because A, I don't think that's the brown-headed cowbird's like most commonly used song. B, chickadees are constant communicators. And mm. when you're around them, you're not just going to have to like work off of like one Phoebe call and like, was that? Yeah, they repeat themselves and they are very chatty little birds. And, and they're going to say their name. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to introduce themselves and, you know, you might see them more often than just hear them because they really aren't um, shy birds at all. They're very inquisitive. So if you hear them and you look in that direction, chances are you're also going to see them. Yeah, good point. Cool. Well, there's so much more to say about chickadees, but I think that this is a good primer for learning to recognize the black cap chickadee by ear. Uh, I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast as much as we enjoyed researching it because reading about chickadees was just a blast. I highly encourage you to go check out videos like on YouTube or to read blogs. Earbirding has an excellent article about their gargling or their, their gurgle song that you know talks about how it's used and how complex it is and why it's more of a song than a call. And again, we highly recommend the Peterson Field Guide to Bird Sounds. I am in love with this field guide, and I'm looking forward to using it uh, in the future as we discuss more birds. So until next time, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>